Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome. My name is Dawson Church, and I just love bringing you the latest in healing, in science, in well-being. And I'm just so remarkable. It's so remarkable to me that there's all this new research going on right now that shows that these intangibles about our lives, our thoughts, our beliefs, our worldviews have powerful effects on our bodies. And so the remarkable effects that these things we can't see, we can't touch or taste, and yet we know from research that our brains are changing, our hormones and neurotransmitters are changing, all of these things are changing in response to our thoughts, our feelings, and our beliefs. And so I encourage you to really tune in to the possibilities for you, to reflect on the practices that you hear, that you implement these things in your life, that you really have a program to apply these things for your own well-being. They can change gene expression, they can change stress hormone levels, and they can literally shift the whole future of your life. And I'm delighted to share them with you regularly on this wonderful platform, on this wonderful forum. And today, we have a special guest who I know whose wisdom you will thoroughly enjoy. I've had the pleasure of interacting with her personally many times, and she is as genuine and heartfelt in person as you will sense her to be as you get to know her here. And her work is at the cornerstone of a huge shift in our society. It has to do with bringing back indigenous wisdom into the mainstream. For so many years, we as a Western society have been materialistically oriented. We measured progress by how much money we make and how big our buildings get and how many gadgets we have. And we have so neglected for generations now the gifts of our ancestors, the gifts of the people who are closest to the earth. And Anita is one of the people really bringing this to our awareness again and showing us the value value of these kinds of practices in our lives, in our bodies, in our society, and the huge contribution they make to our lives, and just how impoverished we are without them. Her book is called The Four Sacred Gifts. She is a consultant, and she is of Mexican-American and Aztec heritage, and she weaves her knowledge of indigenous wisdom and business and science into her global consulting practice. She works with corporate leaders and teams. She's been doing that for close to four decades. She also guides journeys for the Pachamama Alliance into the Amazon rainforest and interacts with, with the people there and helps connect, again, those who are perhaps disconnected from that whole reality to the value of what it can offer us. So Anita, I am just beyond delighted to be interacting with you here today and sharing the huge gifts you have with our audience. Thank you, Dawson. I am so excited to see you. It's great to be here. I, I just can't tell you, too, how 
reading a book like yours that does really connect is a powerful experience for people because it helps put you in your heart. Right away, you realize you aren't reading the ideas of an intellectual who's just pontificating about these kinds of practices. You, you're steeped in these practices in a way in which most people aren't. I, I was just rereading some parts of it before the interview. One of them was about your mother talking about how your grandmother, as she was making tortillas, handmade tortillas and rice and beans, was literally blessing, blessing everything over and over and over again as she was doing that. Most of us don't grow up that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that later when I was little, like, your grandmother doesn't do that? Your grandmother? Your grandfather? So I get it. <laughs> it is part of my reality and continues to be. Yeah. And you have so many stories about drawing from all these traditions and being able to, and also you have to have this commonality of all these indigenous traditions that they all share certain values, which can, can so enrich us. I'm, I'm so curious as to how you got on this path and began to do this work. I'd love for you to just share that with us. Yes, well, part of it is being indigenous. So I'm half indigenous, I'm Nahua, which people know as Aztec, and I'm Mexican American. And I grew up part of my life. It's so wonderful because I had my grandmother, my Aztecan grandmother, and then other elders. And so I was learning all of this all the time. And so it wasn't separate. And in fact, I would go to school and I would come home and I would say to my mom, but this isn't what I was taught, you know? And but this is what they're saying there. And my mother, with her seventh grade education, would say, honey, if you want to get an A, you answer the way they want you to answer out there. But when you come home, we'll talk about the truth. <laughs> and so and part of that truth is that we're part of nature. We're not separate. So just all the different kinds of things we're learning, whether it was in biology or history, whatever it was, there was always these contradictions. But my grandmother, my mother, everyone would always make it so that they weren't wrong, I wasn't wrong, but that I could delight and be well, be healthy, be in community and not see things as separate. As I went to college, of course, whatever I was going to do, I knew it came from my dreams of being a four-year-old, which at four, Dawson, I had this this recurring dream and I still have it today. And it's of the earth. It's all these stick people of different sizes and colors, but we all have our hands on each other's heart. And I knew in kindergarten when they asked to draw what you're going to be when you grow up, I drew that. And the kids laughed and the teacher said, put away your crayons. But something happened to me that a five-year-old should have experienced was I wasn't embarrassed. My feet went into the ground, my head went in the cloud, and I knew this is what I I was going to be and do when I grew up. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. In spite of a lot of challenges along the way, I'm connecting hearts of people all over the world. I happen to do it in, in the business world primarily, but I also do it in, in global nonprofits as well. And it's such an honor, such an honor. Yeah, and that power of connection is one of your four sacred gifts. And I was so struck by that. One of the stories you tell is about the Achuar people of, of Uruguay, Uruguay, Ecuador, Ecuador, and how they say we don't, they don't say we live in the rainforest. They say we're part of the rainforest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. When I take people, there's two things always happens, uh, Dawson. The first thing is when we get off that plane in the middle of the most beautiful rainforest is within seconds, people go, what is that? What is that? That's oxygen. Breathing in clean air. Talk about well-being. This is sort of the basic, right? How we what we can breathe in. And then the second thing they realize pretty much pretty quickly after with the translation is like these people, they don't talk about living on the rainforest or living with the rainforest. They talk about being part of the rainforest. And I always say, You got it. What would it be like if we all us two-legged human beings? 
thought about ourselves and not only and operated out of the sense that we are part of the earth rather than separate from. It would be a lot different world, definitely. And that, if you have that worldview, Anita, you make different decisions, you see people differently, you weigh all the factors involved in any complex problem very, very differently from the world of a person who sees themselves as separate. Absolutely. Now, and that was the teaching is always that I remember my uncle always making this hoop. And those of you can see, I'm, I'm making not a circle up like this, but a flat. And that to be a human being is to understand that your connection with the whole hoop of life, nothing's higher and nothing's lower. And to understand that's who we are and what we are, then you realize, oh my gosh, I might get lonely. That's kind of a human thing, but I'm never alone. I have everything I need. And when you come from that worldview of enough, abundance, rather than scarcity, you look at things differently. And it affects how I do my work as well. People often call me in because there's a problem or separation. And so they want me to dive deeper in it. And I go, I will. But I want to first see where all the connections are and then where the gaps are missing. And they're like, well, that's a different, usually people want to go right. And I was like, that's fine. But in my perspective, and what I believe you will find out is that when you come out of this wholeness, the unity, the, the intimate connection of everything, then you begin to be present to and see different ways of not only have to be with yourself, care for yourself, but care for others. And so that worldview is very important and a good place to start of looking at what are our unexamined assumptions about our things disparate, disconnected, or are things connected and whole? And and just find out where you are all along the way on that, because that will help you then to be able to look and perceive and be present in a different way. Yeah. And I'm just struck by the studies that I've been aware of over the last few years showing the epigenetic effects of loneliness. And there are huge numbers of people who are lonely and it produces adverse genetic effects in your cells. So certain genes literally turn on and off and make you more, more prone to cancer, heart disease, all kinds of diseases. And people who feel lonely, just that feeling of being cut off and isolated, then actually makes you die sooner than if you feel that rich web of, of, of interconnection. So many people, as they, as they age, as their friends die, they get more and more and more lonely. And so they don't have that sense of being part of that huge web, part of that, that sacred hoop you described. And it's 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 a fatal worldview. It is a fatal one. We have every reason to delight in our connection. And, and right now, it, it has such real time. So I have to say, one of the things in that actually business world is trying to see how, because they're being asked leaders to do so much right now. And they should. We all should. We're all leaders of our life. We're all leaders in some way influence various areas. But what they're being asked is to solve the big global issues. And how does one solve the big global issues if you're coming from this siloed separate place? You keep bumping in. The good news is when you keep bumping up against even parts of yourself, then that's the good news that, okay, then let's look at another way to look at this. And now we have, as you said, not only all this science coming forward, but we have places like the United Nations putting out reports saying, well, I think people should know that 82% of the most biodiverse lands left on this earth are lands that indigenous people are on. Well, that's not a coincidence. If you're living when you know, I'm not going to wipe out all those trees because we have a relationship. So I'm going to take here and here, I'm going to walk further and make that work. And I'm not going to pollute the water because 50 to 65% of my body is water. That's water. It's sacred. 
And so if we can be like that, when we look at the businesses that we create, the families that we uh, we are here to nourish uh, ourselves, starting with ourselves, how we be and how we do is so critical. So I love, I love the work that you do, Dawson, because the science and the original indigenous wisdom, they're so aligned. And of course they would be because the first scientists our indigenous people, great observation. That's what it's about. And c- keep observing what works, what doesn't. And this is what has been handed down to many of us who are still First Nations people for millennia. And we get to see now where scientists are understanding that we are essential. This wisdom isn't just something to put on the side, but it is actually life-giving and that we can awaken that because ultimately we are all indigenous we are all of the elements of the earth, of the stars. And that, and I'm smiling from ear to ear. And hopefully all of you who are listening or watching are doing the same thing because facts to the contrary, all the challenges we have, we have so much working in our favor, so much here from ancestors, past, present, and future, and this bountiful earth that I believe that we can face all these challenges and make it a really a life-giving place for us and for all the future generations. I really believe that too. And it is counter a lot of the pervading myths in our culture, which is that we're doomed, all these multiple horsemen of the apocalypse with species extinction and global warming and income inequality. And there are all kinds of things you can point to as being potentially fatal and really sort of terminating the human experiment on Earth. And when you step back, though, and look at all the things that are going well in, in the world and start from that, that standpoint, it's a whole different narrative. And I noticed this this week, Anita, I was looking at it. <laughs> it's a carbon extraction plant, uh, fully functional, running up and running. There are many of these now popping up all over the world. And they're literally sucking CO2 out of the air and turning it into an inert substance, which is used for building and furniture and, and bricks, things like that. So uh, this is one of, I mean, there's the Trillion Tree Initiative that, that's really gaining traction right now. There are so many things happening you can find that are, are positive. And they're, they're largely not on the main mainstream radar, but when you start looking for them and you, you, you start to want to weave those threads of interconnection and see what is right and use that as your starting point, there's a huge amount there that is going right for us as a human species and as a, as a planet right now. Exactly. All the things that we choose to create or co-create can be a lo- in a life-giving way. So one of the things you and you're talking about that makes me think about the early years, but still continues when we get together, we're always being taught that we have a choice. We can be good medicine or bad medicine. And I'm not talking about going to the pharmaceutical kind of thing, but that's that's fine too. I'm not saying don't use those things. But what by good medicine and bad medicine, what, what they were teaching us is that good medicine is anyone or anything that puts into alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. It, bad medicine is anyone or th- anything that takes out of alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And so what you give an example right there about what kind of things can we do in terms of in service to community and business and have profit and everything, but it can be good. It can be in alignment. It doesn't have to be this separation that causes needless suffering and all of that. I do, I do agree with you. And indigenous people, Many, I don't know all the prophecies of the 6% of the population around the world, but many of the indigenous people and the traditions I know in different parts of the world and the ceremonies I'm a part of, prophecies are unfolding and prophecies don't foretell the future. They're just basically teachings that have come, some of them thousands of years old, some of them are only the last 30 years. 
But they're basically teaching, letting us understand about this connection, about who we are, both being earthly and a spirit, and not making that separation that science does. And even science is starting to shift a little bit around that and understanding that there's these areas they're not able to explain if they stay in the traditional pure science kind of mode. That lets us know that these prophecies are basically, none of them say, it's all over, forget it. Just do whatever you want. None of them. None of them say that. They're all saying, what a time to be alive. We got to be in how we be. And then what we do have to be in alignment because it's about seven generations out of not only our species, but of all species. What a time to be alive that we get to really awaken and uncover all of the things that look this miserable, that are incredible. But what I, what prophecies are basically saying, it's not getting worse. It's getting uncovered. And isn't it great that we could uncover these things and instead put in place the good medicine that we all get to choose with our thoughts, our minds, and our actions, our words to do that? I, I just, there are days, so I'm going to go ahead and for those of you who can't see, I'm pulling my hair straight out of the side of my head. Because so, I don't want you to think that, oh, this is woo-woo stuff. There are days that my hair is like that, that I think, oh my gosh. But here's the positive things. All those tools and things that you teach and that I teach help people not to spiral downward and get stuck. There will be days like this with your hair pulling out, but I don't stay there because I have a choice. And those gifts that I wrote about were part of the choices that helped me learn to be present so that I can use my energy for now and what I want to create and co-create with others. And that's one of the most wonderful things, reasons to be alive now, because it's everything matters, not just in a heavy way it matters, but in a joyful way that I can live the most meaningful life ever. In fact, with all the doom and gloom, with all the bad news, and with people getting so dragged down by it all, and more important that we be buoyant, we be balanced, and we represent that alternative view. And I know I've been so aware over the last couple of years with all of the focus on factors going on in the world that can capture the imagination, capture attention, and then really suck you down. And there's an endless supply of them. I've been so aware of needing to just remain centered and remain centered in, in wisdom, in connection, in fact, and then when you're in that space, when you when you're when you're in connection with with the great all it is, you know, in the in the mystical traditions, it's it's the connection with the universe. You yes. you let go of local identification with your body and mind and all the stuff of being a local being. And at least for a little while, and it may only be for that ceremony once a month, it may be for that meditation once a day, but you you lift your eyes to the stars and look for something something greater and then allow yourself to be drawn to something non-local that is such a powerful antidote to the awareness the the, the the fixed focus on only what's not working well here at the local level so it's it's incredibly powerful to bring that bigger perspective and then when you work on local stuff things down here you are working on them from the perspective of non-local. We're going to go to a break right now. Once we get back, we'll cover more. We'll chat more about some of these indigenous practices and perspectives, what they can bring to our current lives. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello and welcome back. My name is Dawson Church. You're listening to High Energy Health 
For more on Anita's work, go to a website that I set up to direct you to a free PDF book of hers. And that website is just healingme.today. Healingme.today. That's where you can get information about her work, about her book, The Four Sacred Gifts, about her schedule, and also download that free PDF at healingme.today. Anita, your book is called The Four Sacred Gifts, and you've structured the whole book around these four really critical ideas that are gifts to us from the indigenous traditions. What are the four sacred gifts? Well, the four gifts, I want you to listen with your softest part of your ear, ears and an expanding heart as you receive these. It was given to us by 27 elders who came together in the early 90s because Spirit said, the human beings have forgotten how to be in healthy relationship with themselves and others. Use these four gifts and you will create harmony and balance. You will know how to be in right relationship with yourself and others. And that's other human beings as well as nature. So the four gifts are, the first is the power to forgive the unforgivable. The power to forgive the unforgivable. Put that in the ceremonial part of your heart and just take a deep breath. And then the second gift they put in there for all of us is the gift of the power of healing, the power of healing. And put that gift in the ceremonial part of your heart. Take a deep breath. And the third gift they put in there is the gift of the power of unity. The gift of the power of unity. Put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And then the fourth gift that they put in there for all humankind to remember how to create harmony and balance is the gift of the power of hope hope in action. Put the gift of the power of hope, hope in action, in the ceremonial part of your heart. And again, these four gifts, Spirit shared with these 27 elders who came from all parts of the world and said, these aren't just for you to take back, because what they were beginning to talk, they were just going to take it back to their nations, their tribes. And Spirit, the flame rose, and what they heard was, oh no, this is for all humankind. We need this. We're going to a great winter. And human beings need to just remember. They didn't say we were flawed. We were horrible. We were doomed. They just said we needed to remember. So as I gave you those gifts, as you listened with the softness part of your ears and put that in your expanding heart, one of the awarenesses you have is, oh, I already know these gifts. You already have them. The wisdom is there. It's remembering to use them. That's what's really key. And then I know we'll explore them further, but thank you for taking the invitation to bring those forth. Because the second thing that is there, you will find that one or multiple of them seem to be speaking more to you, that you you had more things and feeling in your body, or maybe even thoughts in your mind, or just your heart expanding more. Pay attention to that, because that's part of where you're being drawn to begin the work. But use all four gifts because they're so needed now because every one of us matters to create harmony and balance again in this amazing one hoop of life. Yeah, those are powerful to breathe them in and to make them part of you is just a transformative practice. And when I was thinking about that first one, to forgive the unforgivable, two things really rose to my mind. One is on the individual level is violence toward children. Mm -hmm and young people. I've worked with so many people who are survivors of childhood trauma. And it just is 
some of the things that were done to these people when they were two, three, four, five years old. I, you know, I listen, I witness them, I witness their story. Often they do heal, which is, of course, the power of our resilience. And yet you, you, you wonder how anyone could, could forgive those. And the other is the, the, the mass murder of people, genocide. And we look back, you know, the Holocaust, we look back at genocide of Native Americans, we look back at genocide in various other, other parts, whether it was the Armenian genocide, genocide, whether it was people right now, the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Denmark, Sweden are models of human happiness. They have the highest happiness ratios among the most prosperous countries in the world. Go back 150 years to the 1800s. And they were the most murderous, genocidal group of people. They were seizing whole swaths of each other's territory and was just wiping out anyone who lived there. So England, we think of England as being a you know, fairly peaceful country. Go back and look, we look at looking at the archaeological record there of the Wars of the Roses, and they were unbelievably brutal and violent. So all of these societies we think of now as going to be relatively peaceful, and even those we, we know already violent, we as human beings, you, you go back far, far enough, whatever nationality you are, and you're going to find some pretty horrendous things going on there, either with your, your ancestors as the perpetrators or the victims. So those things too are, that's definitely up there on the unforgivable list. What do you do when you're faced with either the unforgivable on a large scale, like the genocide, or on a small scale, like childhood? Yeah. So first, the first thing I, I'm working with people, both in individual and large groups of people, is to uh, what I find is people don't, forgiveness is a really wonderful thing. However, if it was so wonderful, why aren't people doing more of it? And it's because the pain is so deep, whether it's at an individual or the large collective things that you're talking about. It's really important to realize what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean you forget. You're not going to forget. But my childhood has child sexual abuse for nine years. I also experienced at 13, the murder of my father, which was race related. He's a dark skinned person and he was mistaken by a white man who earlier that day had an argument with a black man and he returned and saw my father's profile and shot him. So when I speak of this, I'm not just think, thinking of it. And then, of course, my whole indigenous background of uh, the genocide. So this is not just, you know, theoretical, would it be nice? What forgiveness means is not that you forget. It doesn't mean you're disloyal to a whole group of people. It doesn't mean you're weak. What forgiveness is the pathway to your freedom, that you don't have to use your energy spent on what did or did not happen, but rather you can use it present. And that could include seeking justice, creating systems and structures that don't allow that anymore. So when you talked about those nations, things evolved that to stop that kind of warring that happened, right? And that more warring is happening. We need our energy for now. The other thing is that forgiveness is a, a pathway to unconditional love of self. So I could have stayed wrapped up in all of that pain that I had. But what happened over time is I realized that sacred part of me, that part of me that I was worthy of love, this didn't fit. I was putting up walls to keep out the bad stuff, but I was also keeping out the good stuff. And so lowering those, it doesn't necessarily happen all at once, but they're all different kinds of tools and methods from the different traditions, traditions, both indigenous and Western. That I say, you know, use those to help you bring those down. Because then what you find is the ability to love yourself in a way no other. So pathway to freedom, pathway to unconditional love. And Dawson, before COVID in 2019, when I got to go to my last Sundance, an elder came over and said, oh, I know you, you're known for the forgiveness. And so am I. And I said, yes, you are. Basil Braveheart, an amazing Lakota elder. And he said, well, 
I agree with what you shared, but I have one other thing for you to think about for the next book. And I said, I'm listening. Forgiveness is your pathway to freedom. Forgiveness is the pathway to unconditional love of self. Forgiveness is also the passcode to your own divinity. And that made my hair stand up on my arms. It still does as I say it to you. But I want people to know because we are both earthly and spirit. And it's all that wholeness that all of that and many different things are going to help us so that we can be present to now. And so I think when people understand forgiveness, we have funny notions of what that means. It doesn't. In many ways, I feel more radical in my love and my wanting to unite those hearts all over the world than even before, because I understand the power of forgiveness. And something you do for yourself, not to do with other people. We're going to go to a break right now. Please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. For more on any of his work, go to the website healingme.today. Healingme.today for a free PDF ebook and more. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello and Welcome back. My name is Dawson Church. You're listening to High Energy Health. And each week on the show, I bring you the latest in health, healing, wisdom, and happiness. Please visit this same place every week because we have a dose for you every single week. They're different and they're inspiring and they can make a huge difference in your life. So please do really follow the thread over here because hearing and implementing these ideas can make a big, big difference. For more on Anita's work, go to the website healingme.today, healingme.today, where you will find a PDF ebook and other resources about her wonderful work and approach. Also, for a free copy of my newest book, This Brain, I'm really grateful for the publisher who gave me a whole bunch of copies at costs, so they're free at the website blissbrain.com. Anita, one thing that you mention in the book repeatedly is you use the word medicine. Now, for non-Indigenous people, that usually means the cough syrup your mother gave you when you were a kid, or the pills the doctor prescribed you when you were 21, or whatever it might be. And it's definitely a very different concept in Indigenous terms. What is meant by medicine and then good medicine and bad medicine? Well, yes, the, the whole idea is good medicine is anything, as I mentioned, that puts into alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. And we get that good medicine by from each other, just the presence, the energy of each other. So that's why we're always, we're taught, be careful of what you think, be careful of what you say, because once you put it out, you can't take it back. And now we know, of course, through science, oh my gosh, you can be 12, 4, 15, 12 to 14 feet away and still affect each other's heart rate variability, right? So that good medicine is we have this extraordinary power and bad medicine, we also have that power. We can carry in anger and anxiety is one of the fastest moving ones. And we can just spread it really fast. But we can also bring calm and joy and love. And that also will spread. So we get to choose on that. And that doesn't mean that we hide what our true emotions are. I'm not saying about not being authentically you. But it means that you don't have to get caught in that energy that is, does not serve that. Uh, that you can actually release that and move on. It is meant to be released. And then you can be a life-giving force, so good medicine. And if I could, Dawson, there's a story that just comes to me. I don't know if this is your beautiful face. I'll try to make it really short. 
but it's one of, of good medicine that my grandmother taught me and my two sisters. One was older than me and one younger, but I was four. And we spent the weekend at her house and she told us Saturday we were going to get up in the dark. And every hour during the day, we would go by her garden. It was August in Missouri, very hot. And the sunflowers were out. And we were to be silent for five minutes. So our little girls being silent for five minutes. We'd stand there, but we wanted to do it with my grandmother because we loved her so much. So we went and we went out there. And sure enough, as you can already imagine, the sunflowers are all facing the sun. And we just stood there in silence and just being with the sunflowers. And then we'd go play and do other things. And then she'd bring us back every hour to where I know that somewhere in late morning, I was like really wanting to go back and be quiet. And we just all day long kept turning, facing the sun. And then at night it got dark and we went in, she fed us and she goes, we're going out again. And we were like looking at each other. We went out, she had a flashlight, she got us out there and we're talking. And then she turned it on, she goes, shh, she turned it on. We were the four of us facing each other. And then she put the light over to the sunflowers and they were all facing each other. <laughs> is that wonderful or what? That is good medicine. That has so many, I can't even read enough time to say all the different ways, but being part of the earth, the lesson of always face the sun. And even in the darkest dark, we face each other. We are light, right? That's good medicine. So medicine is always available to us. It's not about going down to the corner drugstore. This, and in indigenous perspective, this is always here, including the plant medicine that we know certain plants will do various kinds of healing for us. And that's very, very important in becoming more and more. In fact, most pharmaceutical products started from these the indigenous knowledge, the knowledge of this, these natural ways of healing, of being in oneness, being in wholeness. So we can just surround ourselves with good medicine by our thoughts, by the people we choose to spend time with, by the media we consume. We can literally create our own good medicine every day. And even those that we don't agree with, that are doing a lot of negative, we can still be these beams of light where we are. They come into our presence, even if it's just virtually, we just image sending light to them and love to them and then continue on. Because again, it's not about more separation. It's about understanding our oneness and the power that we have. We have such power. We just need to use it in a life-giving way. Well, to look at somebody doing something that is unforgivable. I know, for example, one of the, the people in my meditations is a particular Congress member in the U.S., house and he talked about shooting black lives matter protesters and so i meditate on him sometimes i just i think you know how much pain must that man be in to say things like that and it is challenging for me i have to say i would rather slap him around the face but <laughs> well yes <laughs> and he's my spiritual teacher and you know yes. to avoid bringing in bad medicine i'm in touch with my compassion yes that's exactly it i had a recent experience with this with a big leadership group and a lot of horrible things were being said about indigenous people. And I sat there going, I wanted it to stop. And then I thought, no, that for someone to say this is exactly what you're saying. And it doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable, but it also means you don't lash out with the very thing that they're doing to you. That's the power we have to create a difference. And the result of that, this person is actually has owned a lot of what he did and is changing things and learning things and 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 if we can't do this with the people around us in our families and the larger communities, then where are we going to do it? Being good medicine. Yeah, you talk about this as being powerful and being empowered. And 
to stand at that place of, place of compassion, to say that that person saying these things must be in pain, that yeah. gives you power. That automatically puts you in that powerful position. If you feel upset or insulted, then you're the, the, the powerless victim child and you don't have that power. So that means you have a shift in your perspective if you're able to take that position. We're going to go to a break right now. Please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. For more on Anita's work, go to the website healingme.today. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here and I urge you to fill your mind, fill your heart, fill your your space with positive media, positive ideas, positive practices. They make all the difference in your life and your long-term health outcome. A lot of research now is showing that our longevity, our health span, how long we stay healthy is the result of some massive change. It's the result of a thousand daily choices. So make those thousand daily choices, make those really potent decisions, one after the other every day to love and take care of yourself by filling your world with positivity. It makes a huge difference. Fill your mind, as Anita would say, with good medicine. For more on her book, The Four Sacred Gifts, for more on her work, go to the website healingme.today. And that's healingme.today. And for more on my newest book, Bliss Brain, go to the website blissbrain.com. You'll also find eight meditations there free of charge. And those eight meditations we're showing now in MRI studies literally shift the way your brain functions. So feel healthier, feel happier. You can download those meditations at blissbrain.com. Anita, I love this idea of our ability to surround ourselves with good medicine and then to empower ourselves. And this is such a, a different view also of indigenous culture than we've learned in the past. We think, think of you know the, the, the mighty cultures as being these huge civilizations that are technologically advanced and indigenous cultures being kind of this, this backwater. We're now, now realizing that this, this, this the, these cultures we've overlooked, we've marginalized, have this amazingly rich wisdom which has actually the power to shift the suicidal tendencies of our technological society. So I'd love you to, in this last part of our conversation, just step back, talk about the big picture, talk about where this is going right now in the short term, where this rebalancing is taking us in the long term. Yes. Well, I think it is. I think what has happened is that leaders all over the world, whether it's leaders of governments, uh, leaders in business, just the things that are shifting, understanding this illusion of separateness, which is one that indigenous people, the different traditions have been calling out for some time. That is an illusion. We are all connected. And people just started to look at it like oneness, unity, isn't that nice? How do you do that? But the reality is it is real. It is actually all of that. And we're experiencing it right now with this a pandemic, with this virus that happened halfway around the world, if you're in the U.S., and everyone is talking about it. It's part of the narrative everywhere. And, and so we see that. We see the, the rainforest where people go, oh, that's that exotic place down there, the Amazon. Oh, my gosh. And then we learn 20% of our oxygen comes from this, the forest, these 
uh, prime forests. And so why would we want to destroy those? And not only not destroy them, but we then learn from science how the water every day, more water than all the Amazon comes off of the, the forest tops and it affects the weather all around the world. And we're in it now with the global warming. But when we say we're in it, that doesn't mean we're stuck. There are ways to reverse this. And indigenous people have some of those answers. And now people who've had more access, authors are bringing in the indigenous people like, let's line up. What are the hundred things we could be doing? And many of those are what indigenous people have been practicing and doing all along. So I think where this is going is a, a remembering who we are, one human family. And that's not to wipe out our differences. It's about the similarities and the differences, those wonderful things. We don't want all the trees to be the same. We don't want all the flowers to be the same. We don't want all our children to be the same. You know, we, the, the uniqueness of that. And so I think where this is going is a movement a movement that is including all of us. And indigenous people, it does my heart good and for the ancestors, because even as we un uh, these graves, these mass graves of the children that we've lost, we've all known about this for some time. It's just taken so long. But what we also know that in this means that we get to heal our ancestors. We get to heal, you get to heal, your, we all get to heal our ancestors and then draw on the strength and create what's meant to be. So I'm just excited about this hoop of life that I remember as a little girl, all these amazing arms of my grandmother or my uncle, how it was just like holding everything. And it makes me think that we're in that. And if I could say Black Elk, one of our, in the U.S. and what is now the U.S., amazing leaders, and he talks about the hoop, the circle. And I think people are starting to return to the circle. There is no beginning. There is no end. But what he said is in the circle, the center is everywhere. The edge is nowhere. Quantum physicists love that. We're in great communication with quantum physicists because they're starting to also see how we have understanding of things that they're just starting to begin to, to look at. And we said, even in our languages, the tones, the energy, there's things that we know that they get communicated that aren't communicated in another way, other ways. And again, so what I see is that this hoop that has no beginning and no end, everywhere is a center. So you're, you're a center. I'm a center. Everyone who's viewing is a center and all the beings that are not two-legged are also centers and the edge is nowhere. I think that's part of what we're understanding. And I want to say also, I want to put this also in a business entrepreneur sense too. It was very recently in the last few months that the corporate leaders came together and I forget the name of the board, forgive me. But nonetheless, what they said, we are redefining the purpose of business of corporations. It is no longer shareholder value. Those who put their money in it are to keep getting more and more and more and more. Never enough. Instead, the purpose of business of corporations is stakeholder value, which all of us are stakeholders. That's coming back to this oneness, this wonderful life again. So it is a great movement or movements among movements that is happening. And wherever people choose that their heart is calling them to do their contribution, thank you. Thank you. Because it's going to require all of us, all of us to bring that good medicine that we've been talking about today. And then when those are your values and you see the world differently, when you see the world from that perspective, suddenly every choice you make changes. I know that when I had to buy a new car, I said, I've enjoyed a series of, you know, wonderful gas guzzlers, including a Rolls Royce and all kinds of wonderful cars. I said, I'm going to buy a little tiny BMW i3 electric car. That's just where my values are. You know, 20 years ago, my values were in a Rolls Royce. Now my values are in a BMW i3. I, I look at the water I use and I just, I start the faucet 
said, I whip my hands, I turn it off, I wash my hands, I turn it on again. That may seem like such a trivial gesture. And yet it's a shift in consciousness that translates to something as simple as washing your hands and then a big purchase like a car or a house or, or consumption. And so as we, as these values that the indigenous people I mean, th those were engraved in their cultures. That's how they knew how to survive. As those start to perpetuate themselves into the larger culture, huge numbers of things start to change about our society. I'm so grateful to you, Anita, for really making us aware of that through your book, through your work, through your energy. Just your, the energy you carry and your words is full of good medicine. So thank you so much, Anita. Good medicine, Sanchez. <laughs> thank you, Dawson. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So please come again and visit us next week at the same place. Love to share more with you. And in the meantime, immerse yourself in wellness and goodness. Be healthy, be happy, stay grateful, and be in your heart. Thanks again. 